Welcome to The Blend Podcast. Your hosts, Tom Payani and Brendan Cox, take a closer look at the fascinating world of e-learning through the lens of education and design. The podcast is brought to you by Blend Interactive Content, and you can find us on LinkedIn or at blend.training. So this is our part two of us interviewing each other. Exactly, yeah. Part two of uh, Blend Question Time. <laughs> okay. So do you, uh, do you want to ask the, your first question? Um, okay. Uh, what are you most proud of in terms of what we've achieved so far with Blend? I'm kind of proud of our decision making that we pivoted at an early stage and were able to find our focus pretty quick. And I'm proud of the fact that I can I can say exactly where uh, where my priorities lie in terms of the type of e-learning that I want to do. There's no I didn't think it would be able to focus in this quick and be this sure of it. And I, I really like that. I think our transparency is something that I'm pretty proud of as well. And I think that's set us apart from competitors to a certain extent. Um, you know, being transparent with our process, with our pricing, with prototyping things. Um, I think that's really helped us out because we've sort of we're pretty open and honest about our backgrounds, how long we've been doing it. And I think at least I hope that clients have, have found that quite refreshing. Um, and we've definitely like made them part of the process as well you know there's been you know we, we've got the client involved in the decision making process and I think that's really helped us build relationships and and get work in that respect as well rather than like yeah, give us a brief and then we'll get on with it and you'll have something back in the next you know x amount of time okay so my question if you could hire any famous person living or dead and have them work with us at blend who would you pick and why off there's a few options there isn't there um because mm. you've obviously you could have like some crazy answer like leonardo da vinci or you know someone who's just like super creative and and for obvious reasons but maybe a more realistic answer would be someone like gary v gary vaynerchuk who okay. is an entrepreneur who's quite famous on social media i just really like his his mentality his attitude to things he um a lot of a lot of what he talks about revolves around empathy in business um and i i really recommend um whoever's listening to to check him out gary v he's quite famous but he's really great i've got a lot of respect for him and admiration for him okay so what you'll laugh you? at this <laughs> leonardo da vinci <laughs> <laughs> not even kidding I, i'll uh, I, I did actually write that down Basically, just because I've been to a load of exhibitions of his stuff and I've read like read his um, notebooks or tried to read them, the translation of them anyway, because he writes backwards and in mirror. And he's his brain is wired in a completely different way to yeah. anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. But it's a level of his level level of observation and curiosity is just like unmatched. And I think he'd be an excellent person to just have around. Salvador Dali would probably would probably help us create some interest in e-learning, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I think they could have a whole podcast episode on Dream Team. Yeah, because now I can think of loads. Studio. Like I would like yeah. Marcus Aurelius as our you know CEO who like helps guide us with our decision making. You know, <laughs> all, we could have a definite like Dream well, Team. I'd there. want Morgan Freeman just to do all of our voiceover. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely an episode in itself, isn't it? That's a good yeah. idea. That. Okay. What's your biggest strength in terms of what you contribute to Blend? Where do you see your your superpower? Empathy. I'd say empathy because I tend to be hyper empathetic towards people and so I put myself in their shoes really quickly obviously everything's always a double-edged sword isn't it because you if you're too empathetic it's you, you can get upset when other people are upset or you feel really strongly about something and read into stuff but at the same time with something like e-learning I think being empathetic is really useful because as soon as we start designing something I can imagine me doing it and that really helps because then I can kind of cut the fat and remove the things that don't help and go off course kind of thing so i think that's that's useful and also being able to talk to clients and speak to studios and general kind of interacting with other people it helps as well i'd have to agree with you that i, I would say empathy is the number one trait most important trait or the trait i value the most highly in in not just running a business but you know in life really isn't it and it just it just trickles down to all other social skills and emotional intelligence and everything like that okay, okay so what would you say is your strength well i'd like to think i've got decent social skills as well um i think we both have in a more practical sense i think i'm pretty good uh creating roadmaps for learners to get them from point a to point b uh, and learning something in an efficient way how to how to get how to achieve that learning objective in the most efficient and engaging way I've had a lot of practice doing that in my career and I think I am quite good at finding the shortest route between those two points but that also achieves whatever learning goal there is yeah that makes sense I agree I'd say storytelling as well because we both love stories we both love our movies tv computer games all that kind of stuff and I think that's sort of always been a core principle of what we like doing as well. So well, yeah, and, and and often your your strengths are the things you enjoy the most, and and that's the bit we enjoy the most. You know, being creative yeah, exactly. and and storytelling through the uh, creating uh, stories through the learning. Okay, so my my question then, what's one of your favourite practical tips for developing e-learning? I guess, in a more general sense. If you want to be an instructional designer or e-learning developer, just just get the the free trial of of Storyline, open it up, and play around with it, and you know get some YouTube videos up, get some tutorials up, get some stock assets in there, and just do stuff with it. Yeah, because I think a lot of people have this problem, and I've had this problem myself in the past as well, where you end up reading so many books about something, you talk about something you analyze you know all sorts before you've even touched the software or you've even started doing anything practically and I think for me it's also I think it's a procrastination mechanism that people use there's no excuse if you want to if you want to be an instructional designer or get involved in e-learning the first thing you should do is download storyline that's the first thing you should do and just play around with it you know there's loads of people like Devlin Peck and people like that out there who have tutorials good YouTube channels um they walk walkthroughs how to make projects and stuff like that you don't need to read 10 books on storyline or about instructional design before you do that I'm not saying there's not a place for that of course there's a place for 
the theory and understanding the sort of more analytical side of it but just get on with making something i feel quite strongly about that yeah and if you if you're learning to do it pick a subject that you're interested in because it will make everything a million times easier to actually just do definitely i always remember it was really difficult to learn piano at school because none of the songs were cool yeah i mean so that's the key if you want to if you want to learn how to play piano uh play michael jackson on it yeah i mean this is this is a key this is a key point in terms of any type of learning you know in the past when i taught languages as a teacher you know i often had to make sure i often made sure that whoever the students were and the profiles of those students in the class i picked content that i knew would engage them so if i had a group of you know 13 14 year old lads and they loved their football then and you know they would they were non-native speakers but they so they so it was an english class i made sure that all the materials that i gave them were connected with football and all of a sudden you've given yourself a head start there in engaging them to learn haven't you yeah okay so mine would be my practical tip is always be just be reductive so like when you're making something once you finish the first stage of making it try and remove as much as you possibly can for it to still work the way of doing that is to basically just look at everything that as you're doing it and when you finish the first round of making something ask yourself how is this in service of helping the learner do what i want what they need to do if if you can't answer that take it out apple were a good example of a of a a company that used design reductive design and i think i think being reductive applies to everything so e equals mc squared it's basically a lot of work behind a universally understood short formula well it's it's it's, when you when you reduce something in the context that you're talking about it becomes elegant yeah and i think it becomes more understandable as well i think also being reductive in things like terminology um especially for industries that have a tendency to be quite wordy it puts barriers of understanding to like they have to get over to actually work out what's going on and i think being reductive with language as well is like the clearer you can visually describe something as well as in text as well as in the learner journey is always going to be better so i'd say yeah and i think people who are often insecure or who sort of maybe look down on others they often try to use certain language certain vocabulary that makes themselves sound more intelligent or more of an expert when it's not actually the case it's just a facade yeah and the thing is all it is doing is just basically making it less accessible exactly exactly that's the opposite of what you want to be doing when you're trying to teach someone something definitely okay how would you like to improve yourself professionally in the next year to improve myself professionally, I would like to start positioning myself as more of a consultant and less of a technician. I'd say that basically as a designer who's worked in design for 20 odd years, there's always a tendency to jump into making things and to be seen as someone who's there to jump in and make it, make everything. And I think that part of how I want to improve going forward is to actually build on that foundation of knowledge and 
use it strategically and help guide clients and work collaboratively with them to come up with solutions but be comfortable handing it off to someone else to do the technical part yeah i i I understand that although my answer is a little bit different even though i agree Hmm. with you there's a part of me that actually there's certain technical skills i'd like to improve just Mm -hmm. for my own for my own interest as well i think I think also because we share, you know, we often share the discovery stage, the needs analysis, the instructional design part. And I'm obviously more heavily involved in the development side of it and you in the design side of it. So I think for me, just to be more rounded in this world, I would like to improve certain design skills. And Mm -hmm. because I think augmented reality is going to be something that's going to become more and more prevalent, I would like to become proficient you know improve my, my skill set and certain AR software whether it's Adobe Aero or, or whatever that's something I've got my eye on yeah yeah I'm, I'm interested in the uh, the AR stuff as well yeah from a technical standpoint definitely so my question what is your e-learning spirit animal <laughs> <laughs> you said it had to be linked to e-learning my e-learning spirit animal yeah uh okay i'm gonna go for an otter oh nice yeah because you know they they go with the flow you know they drift away with the current they go with the current so they're adaptable they're flexible and they also like i often use this as a chat up line like on when i'm on tinder and stuff like that did you know that otters hold hands when they're asleep so they don't float away from each other and i think you know we're such a great team brendan you know i'm always there for you holding your hand even if you fall asleep wow that was everything i could possibly need in an answer <laughs> I, I i'm gonna say uh, i'm a dog because i'm really <laughs> empathetic and enthusiastic <laughs> that answer's fine as well <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Dogs don't like holding hands, so they don't float away. So. <laughs> All okay. Right. Um, what I'm going to let you choose how you answer this because it, it's it's sort of two questions in one, really, and you can decide how okay. you want to answer it. So, what's the number one mistake clients make uh-huh. in terms of their requests for e-learning or what they want to get out of e-learning, or what's the number one mistake designers make when they produce e-learning? I'll let you decide how you want to answer that. Uh, I could answer both if you want. Um, so I'd say the number one mistake clients make is that by the time they speak to someone who's going to design the learning, they've already sort of made up their mind what they're trying to, what the solution is. And because they're in it and they're passionate about it and they want to get started, they'll start writing off certain solutions and they'll start hyper focusing on other ones and it's almost like a sunk cost theory as soon as you start they'll say oh we need we need this or that and they might well need this and that and they quite often do but the thing is if you just start at that point you you might miss the a better solution higher up up the project so one mistake they make is to not actually say okay this is what we're trying to achieve and then start the discussion this is some of the ideas we've got, but this is what we want to achieve. So I think quite often you have to sort of um, 
make like help them take a step back yeah and yeah i mean because my, my answer would be similar from a client point of view i think often the discovery stage is overlooked isn't it you know the needs analysis and the actual yeah. learning objectives themselves people rush into the design and development of a project without giving the you know this first stage enough attention yeah and from a design from a designer's perspective i think the same thing with a lot of design is that we as humans are fixated on what's easy what makes our lives easier that's why we're all addicted to apps and social media and everything else like that um and so there's often a almost like a shiny shiny object syndrome with designers in terms of oh what you always see it in youtube where they or a video tutorial and they're like um oh what software are you using and they'll focus on that rather than oh where did you learn to do that or how did you work out how to do this and that and one of the key things is actually just picking the right tool for the job and picking the medium that suits the message rather than just going after the technology or going after the the app or whatever um is that thing of whether tech with the technology the japanese principle the guy that made the game boy came up with might mention yeah. it before yeah and i think that even something like powerpoint or one of the simpler well it's not even that simple but one of the what people see as a simple presentation tool if you use linear thinking and use creative a, a creative approach to actually coming up with how you're going to present it to the audience you can do all sorts of incredible stuff with even simple tools and i think that's that's the best way to approach it is just like what's the what's the uh, the best way to do this not what is the best app to start from all right one more question from from each of us then okay um so my question would be we've known each other for so long we finish each each other's what sentences no the answer's questions but um that's fine i'll accept either okay my real question my real question was <laughs> my proper question is what are some of your favorite video games and why oh cool all right um mario world on the snes oh nice mario kart on the snes okay zelda on the snes the snes was my favorite console Okay, um, so I would say not just what are the games, but what was it you specifically? Can you think about what it is you can you dig into like the essence of why you liked it? So, for wow. example, Super Mario Kart for me was the social aspect. Yeah, it was definitely. Just playing with your friends is just it was it was the best game for playing with your friends. Yeah, exactly. So from trying to link it in with e-learning stuff, you've got like obviously the, the community thing, the social proof, all of that. Me and my mum always talk about like Mario Kart to this day. It was something that like bonded us when I was a kid you know so mario kart's a great example for that then you've got things like zelda and um mario world these you know sandbox style games for me introduced me to like rpgs and uh, mario not so much zelda more but you know this 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 world exploring this world was it was amazing to me um then you've got well foot championship manager or football manager that's probably the game i've spent the most hours of my life on and that was just because it was a super addictive, to be honest. Then other games I really liked on PC, like The Sims um, or SimCity, these types of games, 
because again sandbox learning open-ended learning or, or gameplay we've we studied that a lot ourselves for for blend haven't we haven't we because will wright is a bit of a hero of ours game theory that he he used just ticks so many boxes in terms of what a video game should be the open-endedness was amazing i thought and civilization and age of empires games like these sam and max hit the road Uh, yeah okay i could go off on one here what are yours so monkey island was the first one the point and click adventure where i really kind of i saw the sense of humor and sarcasm coming into the games yeah and i absolutely loved it so like the sense of humor and the surprise and the comedy aspect of it i'd never played a game that was funny before which so that was that really stood out zelda was definitely the sense of adventure um i mean i used to draw the maps for my mate who while he was playing it and had like that kind of uh diamond shape like graph paper that you had at school yeah and i yeah. like had like a massive like two meter square map of like the whole of the original zelda so that kind of i think i've always liked maps oh What's another one idea, to right? add in another one to add into these types of games final fantasy 7 do you remember okay, that one on, that was on the I've playstation never played one it. i've never played any of the final fantasy ones actually you'd but like it i loved uh things like fallout which is like a dystopian future but with a role-playing game so i really i i basically get very addicted to skill development stuffs within within games okay. so things like skyrim or fallout or whatever where you basically run around and pick up things and make your weapons better and make your armor better and build skills it's i find it very addictive as a kind of reward system for playing these things and then there's one called that there's less less famous than that lot called journey that i remember going around to my friend's house and he was just like oh you need to have a look at this because this looks amazing and it's one of the most beautiful games i've ever played and okay. it's like a dream would be the best way of describing it um so it just get, just google journey video game well there's a lot all, all of these games we can put in the show notes can't we yeah yeah and i yeah. highly recommend it it's not expensive it's it's it doesn't take long to play it's quite short but it's it's a beautiful beautiful game like the light in it just alone is it's worth playing it the last of us is amazing for storytelling um and sort of tension building uh, on a whole nother level and then um things like batman and stuff like that i've just really enjoyed that sense of uh storytelling and an immersion where you're just you're almost in like a whole city cool 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 i mean yeah that we could talk about video games for a long time do do one last one last question i think you'll like this one okay okay so final question then yep name three books you would recommend to anybody okay marcus aurelius meditations Mm -hmm. awareness by anthony DeMello. yep and radical acceptance by tyra brock okay cool mine would be feel the fear and do it anyway by suzanne jeffers the power of moments by chip and dan heath and mastery by robert green basically like the feel the fear and do it anyway makes you realize that everything that we kind of do or put off or question ourselves about is rooted in a fear and it's normally a fear based on rejection of some sort so it's really interesting how you can it's got practical tools for like how you can overcome that and um sort of quieten that inner critic power of moments is really cool because it basically tells you like how to really create connections 
between moments and people and like that means that the people around you the people that do your e-learning everything um so that's really interesting and then mastery by robert green is a really good one on how to get good at something okay yeah i'm gonna add in one more a mm. new earth by eckhart toll so yeah yours um, i think yours are, are pretty cool in terms of entrepreneurship building the business uh communication skills stuff like that because i've read all, all of those you've mentioned mine are more a bit more general about spirituality and just a mindset you know great this was fun, this was fun. yeah okay well um yeah, no doubt there'll be a part three at some point but um yeah hope you all enjoyed listening <laughs> cool. <laughs> i will speak to you soon okay chat to you soon bye thanks for listening to the blend podcast episodes are available via google apple and spotify you can find blend interactive content on linkedin or at blend.training don't forget to like and subscribe see you next time